Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Don Boyle. Don is the CEO of Exhibition Place, Canada's largest arts, culture, and sporting events venue, and the home to our annual CNE, or Canadian National Exhibition. Established in 1879, the 192-acre site attracts over 5.5 million visitors a year and is known as Toronto's Gathering Place, home to both BMO Fields TFC and the Argos, as well as the Coca-Cola Coliseum's Toronto Marlies. As a lifelong Torontonian, Exhibition Place is very near and dear to my heart and likely is to yours as well. I've been to the CNE more times than I can count, first as a child, then as a summer employee, and now as a parent. The food building remains my go-to place when I want to push my stomach's boundaries. I've been to the Molson Indy, lots of Toronto Marlies games, and I remember the late, great Exhibition Stadium when the Argos were the hottest ticket in town and when the Blue Jays made it their inaugural home after their 1977 inception. I've been to concerts at the Grandstand and the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, events at the Liberty Grand, and conventions at the Trade Centre. And in my mind, at least, Exhibition Place is very closely associated with Ontario Place, just a bridge away over Lakeshore Boulevard, and we all know the issues currently being raised regarding the redevelopment of that land. But what the heck is going on at Exhibition Place today? Where is it heading tomorrow? And who is making the decisions that impact what happens on this very important parcel of Toronto land? I am pleased to report that today we got the right guy to ask all of these questions. Welcome, Don, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? I'm great. Uh, thanks so much, Andrew, for uh, including me on your podcast. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great uh, time to be at Exhibition Place. Uh, lots taking, you know, happening. Um, as there has been over the, like the last, as you say, 150 plus years uh, down here, it's never been um, a stagnant uh, uh, grounds and, uh, and it continues to grow. Well, let's jump right into this. What is Exhibition Place? Who owns it and who makes decisions on how it's run? Yeah, so Exhibition Place is uh, is owned by the City of Toronto. So the full 192 acres and it's actually under the City of Toronto Act uh, governed. And so... Uh, the mayor appoints um, a chair and a board of directors that looks after the entire grounds um, and hires a CEO, myself, to, uh, to administer it and manage it uh, on their behalf. Um, the decisions run through the board, but the city is now the landlord. And so all the leases that take place here, whether it's Hotel X, the new performance venue, all ultimately actually go through city council for final approval with the city being the uh, the ultimate landlord here. Um, and we're really stewards of these grounds and of the programming. And, and, and given the nature of the multitude of tenants and events that take place here, um, it's really um, that coordination and trying to, uh, to, to, to ensure that it maximizes its experience and its benefit for all Torontonians, uh, let alone all Ontarians. Well, I like the way you explain that the city is the landlord Talk about kind of the Board of Governors in Exhibition Place and what is the connection between the management of Exhibition Place and maybe our provincial and federal governments, if any? Yeah, so there's no tie-in to the provincial government whatsoever. Um, the board is appointed, the chair is appointed by the mayor. 
Um, there's uh, five members of council that are board members and four external community board members. And each of those external uh, community board members bring a particular skill or expertise uh, resource to the board. And so uh, appointments are made. Um, there are four-year appointments. They can be renewed one time. Um, and uh, so there's always turnover uh, within that. And, and yet they two at a time so that you've always got two community members that have been there and staggered through that, that period. So you always maintain that level of expertise and knowledge. So at any one time, you're adding two sort of community external board members to the to a team of nine uh, who make the decisions or make the recommendations, make decisions on many things and make recommendations on real estate items that would go to city council. And that leads to you, Don Boyle. Who do you work for and what exactly is your role as the CEO? I report directly to the, the chair of our board, which is Uzba, uh, Councilor Asba Malik, who's also the local councilor uh, and also the deputy mayor. So she's wearing a lot of hats. Uh, and so my responsibility is to, to her uh, directly and to the board overall um, here at Exhibition Place. And so my recommendations would go to the board um, in those ones. The day-to-day operations would be we, we under my responsibility uh, the, to conduct those. But any of the sort of material matters that would be uh, under the City of Toronto Act, it speaks to um, more than 20 consecutive days of, of bookings uh, up to one year would then go to them. Less than that would be left with the, uh, under the direction of the CEO. Uh, CEO also has you know uh, the authority to spend uh, but our budgets are approved by our board and ultimately by council at our budgets uh, before council uh, uh, next week. Um, and so as, as we move, f- move forward with that, and any of the you know, parking rates and those types of those would all be approved by our board, as do are the rental rates uh, that take place within it um, would all be board approved, and, and some of those would be city approved. And I want you, Don, please, to share your personal connections to the exhibition grounds. You are not a native Torontonian. No, I'm not a native Torontonian. So it's kind kind of unique because it seems like, as you said, you've worked uh, you know the, the the Canadian National Exhibition, and I think a lot of Torontonians' first jobs was working the Canadian National Exhibition, and it. So many of my friends, you know, will speak to back in the day, you know, because you mentioned earlier uh, the Molson Indy. Right. And Honda would Honda's been the, the sponsor of that now for like 15 years. Right. And it's kind of like the, you know, the Sky Dome at Rogers Center or the ACC and Scotia. This site brings back a lot of memories and a lot of people who have been here over the years. And so there's a rich history. And memory is an interesting thing. Um, it remembers sort of key moments and will not let go of those. And so my biggest thing here is and I love the Canadian National Exhibition. So let's put that in there forth, Right. We want them to stay. We want to ensure that the developments and the things that we do here to make this 365 animated space as opposed to a pure event space will always take into consideration the Canadian National Exhibition. But the Canadian National Exhibition is, is literally 18 days of August um, every year where at one event over those 18 days, whereas the site this, this past year, most ever, over 1,600 events held here at Exhibition Place. And so well over five and a half million people. And so although the CNE is a very big piece, I don't want to ever discount that, um, the 1.6 million people, 
Exhibition Place is so much more than that and has the potential to be even greater than what we see here today. And that's my vision that I've brought to the board and that the board has bought into and the city as a whole, that I think people understand that this asset, you know, think back to, to Joe Pantaloni as a chair back in the, in the late 1990s. The, where the Toronto Event Centre is, where Liberty Grand is, where medieval times are, those were all decrepit buildings. Like those buildings were inhabited by pigeons. There was no heat, air conditioning. In fact, the floors in, 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 the, in the horticulture building were, were a dirt floor. And so people don't remember back to those. So in 2004, when they were looking for ways to make better use of these, these assets, they put out to the marketplace and they had, thankfully, somebody like uh, Nick DiDonato and Pat DiDonato, a Liberty Group, and, and Slacko with the Toronto Event Center and the Medieval Times actually step forward and invest millions of dollars in reverbing, you know, refurbishing these places and you know, fixing roofs and ceilings, adding air conditioning and, and HVAC systems and, and, and making them a full-use building. Because up to that point, they were built for the fair for those 18 days and had gone into uh, dis disrepair. And so it was Joe Pantaloni um, and his vision back then, because he's also just up the street. He grew up just up the street. So he, he, he loves this place. Uh, and he wanted, to see, he, he wanted to see better things take place. Absolutely. And I, let's dive into that because for many Torontonians, Exhibition Place, as you know, is where you go for the annual CNE. But for the other 48 odd weeks of the year, to put it bluntly, it, it tends to have the feel of a, an industrial park. You, as you note, want it to be a 365 days a year destination. Don, how will you accomplish this and show Torontonians that Exhibition Place is a lot more than just the CNE? I think, Andrew, one of the, the key things is, is this site is happening, obviously, with over 1,600 events uh, taking place here. It is happening 365 days a year. But from a Trontonian's perspective, on the grounds themselves, we don't visualize that. We don't see that. In fact, it was only last year that we had a major software company that, uh, you know, part of the Magnificent Seven holding their session in the bean field with close to 2,500 people in there a dynamic space taking place, and yet you'd see nobody on the roadway because people had either Ubered in, were parking under the Intercare Center, um, and so when you drove by, you wouldn't have any idea anything was taking place, and yet you opened up a bean field, and it was electronics bonanza taking place, right? And so it's not that it's not being used 365 days a year. It's the fact that it can be animated on a more casual drop-in basis and have a sense and a sense of an invitation that you want to come down here. I mean, if you think through COVID, Trinity Bellwoods Park, uh, you know, became synonymous. Remember the circles that were drawn in the park and people coming out? We need that level of activity uh, to take place there. We have some challenges. You know, we have the expressway and the railway tracks dividing up the Liberty Village and the Parkdale community. So we need to make it easy for people to transverse onto the property. And we need to give them a real reason, a differentiator of why would they make that trek onto the property. And that's what we're really looking at in our 365 animation. It's things like you know pedestrian um, uh, uh, environment that is conducive and intimate rather than large. And you know you mentioned industrial, and I mentioned industrial in a, low, in a recent article. It just has a, a, a cold feeling to it. And because 
the activities that are taking place inside these buildings, you don't see it on the grounds. And so we're really looking at things like the, the hard and soft landscaping of, of the site, lighting, which we're going to be doing actually in 2024, and making it more intimate, trying to bring in those walkways. Right, right now, the, you know, the people talk about the walkway f- uh, from the GO train to the Budweiser stage, right? If you ask the average person, you know, how long is that walk? They probably tell you something like, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, right? It's, it's a 12-minute walk. It feels like 20, 25 minutes because you're going through a parking lot that has no distinguishable qualities to get to it. The weather down here, the winds, you know, um, uh, off the lake um, are, are challenging. And so we're looking at trying to create a pedestrian mall type um, um, uh, feeling from the GO station to uh, not only Ontario Place, but to the waterfront, to the Budweiser stage, and then throughout the grounds so that they're there's, you're, you're walking through sort of a, a walkway that's got benches and lighting and uh, trees um, that, that really sort of pulls you in and makes it feel more intimate as opposed to the wide open spaces you see here today. Well, I think those are great points. And when you talk about welcoming people to Exhibition Place, you can't do any better than the grandeur of the Prince's Gates. Be honest, on did you initially believe, as I did for years, that it was the Princess Gates? A thousand percent, thousand percent. It was, it was, a, yeah, that was my first, that was probably one of my first educations. Like, and, and, and I, and I, I'm, I'm sad to say, I don't know the history well enough on the grounds and I'm still learning. There's so much on these grounds. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the first misnomer uh, of the site, right? Is, is just that, that it's actually Prince's gate as a brother, princesses. And, and I think those, the, those gates, you know, I see it's, it's my screensaver on my, on my laptop. And so, it, it's magnificent. You know, during New Year's Eve this year, we had a private function. We did a, a drone show above the Prince's Gates for it. And because it's a public drone show, people are seeing it from all over the place. And they're thinking, wow, what was that, right? And it was just a, it was a private event that we had going on at Hotel X. And they wanted to be able to see and have a, a New Year's Eve drone show with the fireworks on the on the, on the light. But these are all the things that are possible at Exhibition Place. And it's trying to see what all else is possible, right? I mean, Hotel X has been a great addition to the site. Um, it's really helped us with our convention and meeting business, uh, but it's helped with all the events taking place down here. And quite truthfully, the lifestyle traveler is choosing Hotel X to stay at. It's got the best uh, uh, wellness facilities in the city. It's on the waterfront for those who want to run or or bicycle. Um, and so, the, the 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 business traveler coming to the city that is in the health and wellness, they're staying at Hotel X, um, and they're using our grounds, um, and and so it's been a great benefit to us over time. As has uh, you know the 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 tenants that we have on the site, the you old know, QE Theater, a fellow Matt Gibbons who is the the owner and founder of the MRG Group, um, the QE Theater uh, is now probably one of the very busiest theaters in the city hosting different shows on a nightly basis. I, I think they're lit now 18 days a month. And it's not with a play that's running every night. It's different artists, comedians, music, a, a, a great diversity of entertainment uh, taking place there. And he's opened up Annabelle's Upstairs, which is a live music uh, venue, which is just full of it. The city is so diverse. And you know these are where your podcast and, and all these different social media pieces for people to learn what's actually in their city. Because we, we tend to do... You know, where are we going for Thursday night dinner? Probably the same place we went for Thursday night dinner the last 30 times, right? 
And until somebody opens up your eyes of what's in the city, and oftentimes it's a traveler who visits, who comes in and says, hey, I read this thing about, and you're like, what? What are you talking about? And then you, you go experience your own city for the first time, it feels like. And so that's what Exhibition Place is becoming. Um, and we see that um, on, a, on a daily basis. Well, when you talk about all these great things going on, you have to be able to get down there. And I assume that the Golden Moose is the Exhibition Go station. It's a great transportation hub, and it's a super easy entry exit point to the grounds. You're, you're absolutely right, Andrew. And I think with the Ontario line and the development, you already see the development taking place here with the station. It's, it's going to be the, the real game changer for bringing people in here. You know, people see the, you know, what people see as the parking lots, I see as the, the C&E grounds, right? I mean, that's where the amusement park is. That's where the Pope came. That's where the Pan Am Games took place. It's where the FIFA Village is going to be, um, is going to be, is there. And so I don't, where people see parking lots, I don't see, I, it's event space. It's event space that's certainly not used on a daily basis. Um, but we've looked at different ideas for that. Or the challenge is we are so busy that for the days that you see it empty, at nighttime, it's packed. Like the other night I, I was leaving here, we had a, a, a Marley's game on a Coca-Cola. I, I forgot their schedule, and I was leaving the building. The parking lots were jammed. I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's taking place here tonight, <laughs> right? But if you would have come three hours earlier, it would have been an empty parking lot, right? And that's the same thing we'll see with the boat show. I mean, the boats are uh, in that parking lot right now, 854 south of BMO, which is sort of the most high-profile sort of, you know, if you want to talk parking lot, but it's... It's also exactly where the, the CD, you take that part you know, away, that whole area away, you don't have a CD. And so that's the, the, the economy that we're in here is trying to, how do we work the site that works for all the stakeholders and for Torontonians in general? Because I don't think anybody wants to see the CNE moving out, but we want to see better use of the space that we have. And how do you do that? And, and those are the the things that we're, we're wrestling with um, as, as we speak. And when we look at these connections to the waterfront, we want to ensure that, again, it's, it's, it, 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 it boosts our connectivity and our pedestrian uh, connections, and yet it supports the events and tenants that, that take place down here now. And when you talk about those connections, we talked about the Exhibition Go station, but you just also just alluded to Metrolink has broken ground on an Exhibition station to serve as part of the new Ontario line. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, and it's going to be, the, it's a, it will be the second busiest station on their line. And what it's going to mean, and what I was going to say earlier is, if you took every parking space we have, including the underground parking, uh, we've got 6,000 spots here. So uh, on surface, there's probably something like 4,500 parking spaces, which would, you know, two people per car accounts for 9,000 people, let's just say, arriving here. On, a, on any of our busy weekends, we have 150,000 people here. <laughs> so the percentage of people who are actually driving here are very, very small. And and, and it's less and less because they're not incentivized. And that's where the Ontario Line and Metro Links, and we've built a really strong relationship with them. We're actually talking about the potential of a big uh, event taking place here. Uh, can't announce it on your podcast right now, but soccer fans will be thrilled um, uh, if we're able to pull this thing off. And I th- I'm thinking we will next uh, end of next July. But we're working with Metro Leagues. I want to make you remember in New York they taught the Subway Series when you know the Islanders play the Rangers and, and it's the Subway Series and or the Mets and the Yankees. Well, I want this event to be the transit game uh, because there's going to be so much on on that weekend that literally the only way to get here 
literally will be transit. And so my pitch to Metrolinks and to uh, MLSE is we, 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 we coined this game the transit game. And it's a game where your ticket gets you on transit, whether it's TTC or, or, or Go, uh, and gets you to the venue. And that we try to really target like that, you know, 95% plus uh, come to that game on transit. And, and, and we're seeing a bigger and bigger uptake. You know, Andrew, speaking of that, you know, that, that terminal, that entrance now, we talked about the ceremonial Prince's Gates. That would be, historically, that would be the entrance to Exhibition Place. But the true entrance to Exhibition Place is now the Ontario, the terminal, the transit terminal. Over 60% of our people, 70%, are arriving through that terminal. And so I'm wanting to create what was back of house becoming front of house. And so that when you come through there, right now, you know, if you walk down, I don't know if it's Liberty Street, the name of the street, but the street that heads down there from Liberty Village, you hardly know where you're going. You kind of discover that at the end of the street, wow, there's this place called Exhibition Place, right? And because so much things are changing, we haven't got to the full signage, but in our plans, it's when you walk down that street, you're going to be walking like you're walking into Exhibition Place. We want the experience to almost start on the other side of the tracks, bring you through the transit terminal and on to Exhibition Place. And my coin to the province, to the city, to everybody who will listen is, once you've arrived at Exhibition Place, you've arrived. Take the 350 acres with Ontario Place, Exhibition Place, whether it's the Automotive Building, Beanfield, the Intercare, Liberty Grand, Toronto Events Center, Medieval Times, Budweiser Stage, Therma Spa, you've arrived. And, and I want to make that experience feel that way. And so that whether it, one's a city-owned asset and one's a provincial asset, the person coming here from Australia could care less. They're, they're just coming, they're coming for an experience, right? And I think 95% of citizens probably, or 99% of citizens feel the same way. So my whole thing is don't have an ego. Try to bring together all the players. Our time frame between now and FIFA is so tight that unfortunately a lot of these things will be visions and, and concepts to get them to happen. But I see much of this. The lightning is going to take place in 2024. My background is parks and recreation. I really believe in a really clean environment, you know, your turf, your hedges, your sidewalks, litter. And if you walk Exhibition Place today, you see that. You see a pristine spot. Lighting is the next thing. That's It's it's reasonable to cost enough that you could do it, and it makes a substantial change. And as a pedestrian, whether, you know, a male or a female, public safety, lighting goes a long way in inviting you to a site and takes it from industrial and dark to light and vibrant. And so all that will take place before FIFA. And in fact, we're, we're doing the studies right now and we're hoping to start implementing in uh, 2024 at the end of the, you know, probably the middle of the end of this year. So visually, my big thing is people need to, I, I keep talking, but we need to show, right? And so the early wins will be the lighting. Um, the grounds already look better, but I want to work on the lighting. And the lighting is sort of that first phase then we'll have FIFA, and then we'll get into these pedestrian malls. But we'll be do, doing all the designing and all the due diligence through this time, and we'll get public input into it, right? We'll we'll have community meetings. But it's really, right now, we've done a study with WSP, which was really speaking about the you know the technical logistics, the possibilities, the uh, pinch points, the, the challenges. And, and that study is going to go to our board in uh, February in like three weeks. Um, and that's just going to high level say, 
yeah, you know what? These things are possible, but here are the things that you're going to really have to design around. And then we'll get into some high-level conceptual where we'll get the public more involved in, our tenants more involved in, uh, and then finally the own detail, which will be after, after FIFA. Well, I think it's a great point about the access. You just want to get people there. It doesn't matter where they come in from. And traditionally, of course, it's always been from Strawn or from Dufferin Gates. And now, as you note, Liberty Village, that didn't even exist uh, a decade ago. So you got to have access for them there. And on that note, when you talk about the other side, on the other side of Lakeshore, your neighbor there, do you have any comments on what's going on over at Ontario Place? Are you considered a stakeholder in these uh, redevelopment plans? Yeah, so I, I'm fortunate enough that we have been involved in, in their in their plans. You know, not providing a lot of input into their design or, or, or that, but how it connects to to exhibition place um, and how it connects to uh, uh, MetroLink to the go. And in fact, we've been very collaborative on that. You know, whether you know the Thermae Spa and it, and I know there's a lot of sort of groups that I, I will not weigh into that. You know, I think the biggest thing for me uh, on it was the fact that you know. We do need a year-round opportunity there. The fond memory of coming to the CNE in August doesn't tell you the story in in late October, November, December, and literally back to next June. It's cold and windy and dark. And as much lighting as I do, it's still for the brave of heart to come through when it's super windy and cold. And so it has to be something that's that people really want to get to that they can't get somewhere else, and and that draws them in. And so, um, again, uh, where it's being situated, how it's being situated, I just know that the province is going to be sinking in literally hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, that site. We want to make sure that there's great public access to the waterfront connectivity, uh, that it's uh, uh, you know accessible. And I think looking at it as 350 acres uh, between Exhibition Place and Ontario Place, and seamlessly programming it and coordinate. We've been coordinating and programming it together for years. Um, the relationship's been very, very strong. You know, when you think of you know a big show, they had that Rolling Loud show, that was a North American show, and it was right after the CNA. We end up being half of their sort of back of house for that for that event uh, to allow them to be able to pull it off across the street. When Cirque du Soleil's on, you know, we're we're parking for Cirque du Soleil. Likewise, Budweiser stage. When the Royal was on, all the trailers used to park at Ontario Place. So there's a rich history of cooperation uh, between the two sites. And uh, if it wasn't for two governments sort of owning it, it'd be even maybe easier, let's call it. But there's been lots of good discussions um, at the staff level. And I think this is one of the things that in all organizations, oftentimes at the lowest levels in organizations, everybody's getting along, right? People are just making the good work happen. The higher you get up, the greater the challenges you seems to be, or whether in this circumstance, but I've seen it in many, many circumstances, and so we're really proud of this. Well, there's obviously so much synergy there. I mean, I remember it in a very practical way. When you had your Blue Jay ticket, it would give you access to Ontario Place. When you had your CNE ticket, it would give you access to Ontario Place. And as you noted, it didn't matter exactly who owned it, but once you're on those grounds, whether Ontario Place or Exhibition Place, you felt like you're in one big place. So it's, it's great to take advantage of all that. You know, Andrew, you, you mentioned that, right? And I think that's a very valid point, but because I, I was a season ticket holder, I, I had season tickets at the old uh, uh, Exhibition Stadium, and I would I had four partners. And so I got my so many games, but we all, you know, I think I had 
uh, 13 games or 14 games, something like that. But you used to pick the ticket based on, ah, the CNE's going to be there, right? Because now I could, and I could get to Ontario Place. But just think about it. We needed that ticket to get to Ontario Place. Why? Because Ontario Place charged an admission. Ontario Place, you know, today we talk about, oh, with this, we can't privatize. Well, Ontario Place was a ticketed venue. And that's been lost out of this conversation. It's all, it's, I always say to people, it's all Blue Jay people who remember it was a ticketed event because we were so passionate about getting a ticket for that game because it got us the, it got us not only to, to the CNE, it got us into Ontario Place as well. So that was like a big deal. But, you know, people think that that was always a free admission. Ontario Place was not. True enough. True enough. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview, please check out the more than 200 additional episodes available anytime. We got Chef Susur Lee, Body Breaks Hal Johnson, comedian Paul Reiser, Michael Pinball Clemens, our UN Ambassador Bob Ray, Maple Leafs Captain Rick Vive, Dragon's Den's Wes Hall, and TVO's Steve Pakin. How they did it directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7, 365, wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to torontolegends.ca. Let's go back to your property proper and talk about some of the kind of hot-button events. What is the future of the Honda Indy car race? Yeah, so we, we, we renewed it for 2024, and it's a good point you raise. And the only reason I didn't renew it for 2025 was because with FIFA happening, and there was lots of talk about legacy projects or construction and things taking place, and I said to uh, Kevin Savory, who's a wonderful gentleman, who's the he owns the the rights to the uh, Honda Indy here in Toronto, uh, really good gentleman. I said to him, I have no issue giving uh, the 2025 date. I just don't want to do it now in case there's things we have to do. It's going to be more challenging for you at the end of the day if you think you have 2025 in hand and I come to you because there's a clause in our contract that we can always pull out if there's something you know enormous that takes place. I said, but rather than getting into that kerfuffle, let's do 2024 clean, and then we'll look at 2025 when we get to that stage. And then, I'll, you know, what date do you need to know it? He gave me the date that he needed to, uh, needs to know for his uh, advancement uh, of his you know schedule and the uh, the whole IRL. And so we're totally on board with that. And my gut today is that. Uh, it will be here 24 and 25. 26, it can't be here in that, that time frame. It doesn't give enough time to get the track ready. Whether or not it can be delayed and maybe a September race or something like that, um, we're looking at all of our bookings uh, taking place here. But it's definitely, you know, it's got a rich history here. It brings a lot of economic development to the city, like the uh, the CNE the, the, and Carabana Carnival, which takes place here in the, the floats. Uh, and the Honda Indy. Those are three big events that need this space, let alone the Royal needs it when you saw it this year. They need it for parking trailers. And we actually have a lot of the animals outside now uh, because there's so many animals. So underneath the gardener uh, becomes, uh, you know, basically a cattle yard, right? I mean, I think we had 200 head of uh, cattle under there this year. And so the space in here uh, is multi-use, and uh, but we're big fans of the Honda Indy. They're working with um, uh, Formula E in Portland. And that was one of the things that we've been looking at is whether the possibility of a Formula E type race here in Toronto as well. It hasn't worked out uh, as yet on dates because we can't really do multiple weekends. And so right now, 
IRL in IndyCar is the is the race and uh, will be for the foreseeable future. But we're always looking at other events. Given the 1,600 events that we have here, and you think Budweiser staged this last year had 66 concerts over that summer period. I mean, it was ba- literally back to back to back. And so it's heavily, heavily used. Um, and that's why we're over five and a half million people come down here. You know, that's the Scotiabank Arena, which we know is the, one of the, the probably busiest uh, venues in, in North America. The Ontario Science Center, the ROM all put together is the numbers we're doing here. And so um, they're, it's, they're, 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 they're big numbers. Absolutely. And you talk, there's a lot of racing fans. There's also a lot of esports fans. Esports globally is huge. Bob Hunter has been a past guest on this podcast, and he had mentioned at the time there were plans for an esports venue at Exhibition Place. What is the status of that, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, so the status is really good, actually. I think we're, we're almost firm and, and sort of uh, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. The big thing for them is being, as you can well imagine, during you know post-COVID and inflation, the cost of construction is just being out of this world. You know, simple project. You know, people who are doing projects around their home have seen the price escalation. Well, uh, a venue of this nature, uh, that's been a big challenge. But I think we're finally there. And uh, we are anticipating um, breaking ground uh, next September to allow this, the CNE to have a fully functioning year and allowing us to go, go through sort of the permit. We need to do archaeology work on the site, but it looks like it's a go. And so a performance venue and hotel um, and uh, as I say, I think uh, hopefully things are signed off and f- you know f- fully, fully formalized in uh, probably the next month. But all the plans, milestone dates, we've been negotiating those and working forward in those. And so trying to ensure that the, the venue and the hotel are in sync, and particularly the hotel in sync with the uh, development of Ontario Place. Uh, because uh, we see the second hotel being more sort of family friendly a little bit at a lower price point um, as opposed to the hotel X which is really business people want to come down you know there's gonna be a hundred units that um, have you know small kitchens in them like efficiencies uh, so if you're bringing a young family down you'll be able to, to stay at exhibition place and spend your entire weekend here and not leave the property uh, go to medieval times catch a show go across to Ontario place uh, enjoy yourself uh, and then enjoy the waterfront um, and be able to do it here. And so uh, it's a 396-room uh, second tower hotel and 5,000-person capacity uh, performance venue. Um, super exciting. Big development uh, for uh, Exhibition Place and one uh, we're super proud of. Now, every year, the CNE ends with a big air show. And for various reasons, it's become kind of more contentious over the years. What is the future of the air show that closes the CNE each year? So the the air show is an independent organization. So just for your for your listeners, so it's coupled with the CNE, but it's actually an independent um, organization uh, that traditionally um, has their show as part of the CNE on the last weekend, and actually draws in huge numbers for that weekend, right? And so right now the show is is, is super positive. Uh, I think they have a big anniversary uh, coming up. Uh, I understand. Uh, a great organization, by the way, like really good organization uh, doing uh, yeoman's work um, and uh, it's showing off plans. There's no doubt, you know, and take a city like Toronto, 
there's no event or idea you bring up that you're not going to get 10 to 20 percent of the people against. There's that's just that's just what's going to take place. But I think everybody understands that the economic benefit of shows like this, the whole aviation business in Canada uh, that takes place through this period is really benefited from education and, and, and kids coming down to the air show, meeting pilots, meeting industry, all leaders with it. You know, there's certainly those people who just, you know, are take a place along the waterfront uh, to take a, a glance of it. But there's a whole other aspect to that air show uh, that is really an economic uh, driver. As well now, you know, and I, I give uh, Lori Duthi, uh, who's the, uh, the CEO of the air show, uh, it's now live streamed around the world. And so from a tourism perspective here, there's not many events. I don't even, I can't think of another one uh, that takes place annually here in the city of Toronto that is, has exposure around the world in live format. Uh, and their viewership for that has just been growing uh, immensely over time. And so and those people all get to see the city of Toronto and understand what Toronto is all about and understand, wow, it's a beautiful spot place, you know, in August uh, to come visit and uh, from a tourism impact. And so uh, that live streaming of that show um, has really been a game changer for it. And, and it's allowed a lot of people too, with mobility challenges or the ability to get down to, you know, exhibition place for that show to be able to catch an air show. And given the way TVs are these days, you stream it onto your, onto a, a, a large panel TV. It's a great way to take in the show. Now, Don, something you talked about earlier was BMO Field and does have a hosting role in the 2026 FIFA Soccer World Cup. The further renovations that are taking place, what's the status of those and how will that change BMO Field? So the renovations, um, will, uh, for the, a large extent, will be temporary. Um, the stadium is roughly 30,000 seats today. It's going to take it up to about 46,000 seats. Uh, add some um, executive suites in the um, the uh, north end of the of the uh, the venue, which may or may not stay after it. Um, there is some hope that the 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 expansion can stay at maybe you know I don't think anything's announced yet, but maybe do a great cup uh, to try to make you know more use of it. So maybe you'll be able to get in for the the FIFA, but if it's there and it, maybe it's there for uh, an NHL outdoor game again, right? And so. Right now, obviously, we're just focused on FIFA, but I'm always looking at, okay, what else is possible and what else can we do? And so that's some of it that's taking place, but uh, the design is um, is well underway for it. The, the, the build of it will roughly take place off the top of my head in late 2025 to be ready for 2026. It's super exciting, right? I mean, uh, whether or not we're five or six games uh, through it, Bringing a FIFA a soccer uh, uh, or, you know, football, if you want to call it, uh, to Toronto is uh, is is big. It's exciting uh, from an economic impact perspective. It's it, it's uh, terrific. And MLSC, you know, they took a lot of heat, uh, for, you know, when the deal, you know, the contract was done with MLSC. But MLSC have been great partners. For somebody else to walk in to try to manage the renovations to a field that they're part of while they're playing is Kind of like me doing renovations in your house. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to show up, or but I'm just going to do it. And and so uh, one, just from a practicality perspective, but also from an expertise perspective. Given the timing to get this done, uh, they have a lot of expertise with this in moving it forward. And so um, they've been great partners in so many ways. 
And uh, and and with part of the FIFA and this build, given the fact that you know Beamer was chosen for it, and the quality of the field, like when they talk pitches, the the head of FIFA, two and a half hours, I list do a, a pit like a pitch on a pitch. He was he was talking about pitches and the quality. This pitch here is of the highest standard. And the fellow who looks after the field here, he said he mentioned by name. I wish I knew his name right now. He said he said, boy, you've got the best guy. He goes, I work with him very closely. He says, so the one thing I'm not concerned about is the pitch um, because the design of it and who you've got looking after it, uh, you're in great shape. The seats and, and, and FIFA is very, um, we'll call them particular. I mean, they evaluate every seat, the view of it, and it has to hit over, over a percentage uh, for them to accept it. And it's all done, obviously, electronically uh, with all the design work, but a lot of technical input into this thing to make it happen and to and to have it at the standard that's expected for FIFA. So it's going to be exciting. You know, 2026 will be here before you know it, right? I mean, it's just time flies by. Uh, we're excited to be part of it. Well, it is fast approaching, and maybe you can take this opportunity to clarify, Don. BMO Field is owned by the city or by MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment? So BMO Field is owned by the city. We own the structure. They put in the best part. The original one, I think, was you know somewhere in the area of $50 million, $60 million. But then they did the major renovation here. And over $100 million, uh, it was put into it by, uh, by uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Um, so they man they manage the facility on behalf of the city, and so they manage it. But the city owns it. Uh, at the end of the lease, the the asset falls back to the city, uh, with respect to it. Yeah, but uh, they they manage it. It was originally going to have community use on site, but because of the sensitivities of the grass and everything, MLC ended up paying uh, for the uh, the you know the, the turf and the insulation at Lamport Stadium, and so uh, that was sort of. They got into it and bringing along community groups onto a pitch of this magnitude when they went to the grass was just not a possibility. On the artificial turf, not a problem. But when they went to the natural grass, it was a challenge. And so they worked with the city officials at that. That was before my time. But they worked with the city officials and they ended up paying and putting in the uh, the turf at Lamport, which was fantastic for the community because now literally it gives them 365 days of use there because that stadium didn't have the, I guess, the, the technical qualities for the to keep the grass up to a good standard. And so they couldn't book it out all the time because there was an expectation that the, you know, the grass just wouldn't withstand that kind of uh, beating. And so this, the, 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 uh, the installation of turf there uh, now makes it that rain or shine 365 days a year that facility is now used, which is being a big game changer for the local community. Well, when you talk about turf and you talk about grass, let's talk about asphalt. I understand that in the parking lot at Exhibition Place, there are monuments to the former Exhibition Stadium in relation to the uh, Blue Jays field layout. Yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, yeah, home plate and all the bases are still there. You can still run them. I wish I knew exactly whose idea that was. I know that uh, former councillor uh, and chair uh, Mark Grimes, you know, when I took on the job, uh, made a point of walking me out there to take a look at the because I had no idea. But what a great legacy, right? Anybody who grew up with that old exhibition stadium there, and people don't remember that it was converted from sort of the fairgrounds to a stadium, um, which again, you know, as I mentioned to you at the very, very beginning, is 
you know, history is one of those things that we just lose complete sight of, right? And when I talk about, you know, it was like 1998 when they put out the opportunities to lease and, and invest in, you know, the uh, Liberty Grand location and, and the uh, the Toronto Event Center location. People are like, what? Because they just see those buildings there today. They see the Grand and think, well, how did those people get those places? Well, those people took a big chance. It used to be an industrial park just north of us. I mean, literally nobody came down here. There was nobody living north of us, and it was used for the uh, the the the, the C and E. And so, you take it from those 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 late nineties, converting it to a baseball field, and 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 using you know using that and what that took, uh, but the entire site, right? And so, history is a you know, really important thing, I think, for people to understand and appreciate to to be able to look at how far it's come one. Uh, where it's come from, and 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 for for you know a leader like myself and for our board and councillor Osma uh, Malik has been uh, terrific about where are we going, you know, and how can we make this uh, an experience for even more people, right? How how do we take it from five point five to six point five? Well, you talked so about all these great things you want to do, so let's close with the big question when it comes to any exhibition place redevelopment, and of course that's funding. Who will be paying the tab? Is it municipal or provincial or federal funding that you are seeking or that you already have? So, you know, for for a much of this, I mean, this is a municipal asset. So, typically, this would be uh, from the from from the city level government. The connection, you know, I was talking to you about the promenade from um, uh, the Ontario Line Metrolinks, you know, from the Turbo to Ontario Place, is a commitment that uh, Metrolinks had made to the. Uh, the province uh, that they would make uh, make a connection uh, there, and so uh, those specific dollars have been uh, talked about. But certainly, um, the planning of it and, and looking at it, uh, they're completely involved in. And so, uh, we hope that uh, the the province will uh, be strong partners when it comes to that. Um, and from some of the other things, we're looking at uh, leveraging. I mean, if you take the, you know, I'll use the best example: the automotive building, you know, Beanfield. My predecessor, uh, Diane Young, they invested $50 million in renovating that building to what it is today. And now it's the, you know, it's probably one of the best uh, ballrooms in the city. We hold lots of galas and events at that, at that venue, but we're paying the bill. It was done as a loan. And so we're a commercial operation. And so we pay an annual loan on that um, as we move forward. And so some of the things I'm looking at in very early in the investigation is you know, this walkway between the transit and Ontario Place, you know, could it have a ceiling with video boards that would tell the history of Exhibition Place, Ontario Place, and include some um, some advertising, right? Are there other sources of funding that, that we haven't considered? Uh, one of the things we're looking at is um, uh, electric uh, vehicle charging. And we have a lot of parking spaces. Could we become a hub for that? One of the ideas is where the wind turbine is. At the bottom of the wind turbine, you know, we've looked at it. We think we have, you know, enough parking for probably 20 cars uh, to have charging around the bottom of the wind turbine. You know, all those kind of creative things, because we know that the city is in a financial crunch. There's not money just floating around for these types of things, but it's to try to push the plans forward. And I think if the plans are worthy enough, um, that there will be some uh, city funding um, available for it. But I'm always uh, um, uh, looking out for other ways of funding these things uh, that doesn't take away from the public good, 
um, because we wanted to have that rich history and historical presence to the site, and yet balancing that with getting these things done. And so um, uh, there was money set aside in the budget for uh, what was deemed to be Festival Plaza back in the day, and we've left that money in there. And there's a significant amount of money earmarked in that budget uh, for it. And so whether or not that money gets trans, you know, realigned to this vision, um, I think is a real possibility as we move forward. But we haven't got into that. Uh, we'll get into that as we get a little bit more closer into the conceptual stages and really at looking at the magnitude of the investment that's required. I'm a firm believer, Andrew, in just the things you have full control of, um, you know, that you can actually do. And that's where the lighting comes from. I know we can do that. I know I can do it this year. I can start making a change. And I think once people start to see a change and they can start imagining what it could be, then we'll be able to sort of gather that sort of, wow, you know, they've said these things, they've talked about it, but boy, have you driven through there? Like one of the things we're looking at is lighting up all the trees along Prince's Boulevard. And, and I just think, you know, you do something like that and you start making these changes and people notice then it starts to build some some credibility and says, well, you know, hey, this guy was in Dolce Magazine. He was in the star. He says he's purporting all these wonderful things. But, well, have you, have you been down? Like, wow, the, you know, the grass is great. The hedge, the place looks beautiful. Like, you know, I you know, I used to say I wanted it to look like the Niagara Parks Commission, right? I, I, not that I want to dog them, but, you know, they've their standards lowered in the last few, so many years. But if I go back to them in the 80s, that's how I want this place. So I want this place, you know, not necessarily that it's Augusta or it's, you know, Walt Disney World, but why shouldn't it be, right? Why should why why shouldn't it be? And so I'm just like, we sawed it uh, along uh, Princess Boulevard last year. We've done a, we've done new pavement. If you've driven through, we've done new pavement in a lot of a lot of areas of the site, right? So trying to do the things that are they're they're smaller in cost, but they set an impression. Uh, that things are changing, that people care, um, that, that, that they want to make a difference. And I think when we get to this lighting thing, I really think that's going to be the next one that in 2024, my goal is in December of 2024, when people look at it, they go, wow, have you seen this? The things are actually changing and, and it doesn't look like an old industrial park. You know, the, the Horse Palace, what a beautiful architecture on that building, right? And I just, and then I think, you light that thing up, like we have the automotive building. You light up the light, the the horse palace, like there's a great piece of art it's just sitting there. And so that's my preface is start small, start the things you can control. And if I'm a little bit better uh, at the end of 2024 than I was at the beginning, I'm, I'm winning, right? Because there's too much in this town of talking the big talk and having these big conceptual drawings and stuff that you just know in your heart of hearts is never going to happen. Uh, we saw, you know, you see with University Avenue, and I know these things are meant to, you're supposed to dream, and I'm all for, I'm all for dreaming, but I'm all for for getting it done. And so, um, I'm, you know, my account's going to be, you know, did you know, did Don Boyle make a difference, and and has he been able to move it forward, and is it better since he's been here than when he got here? And we've done that with our staff group. We got a terrific staff. Uh, we're doing it with our relationships with our tenants and and city partners, and so. You know, one day at a time. Let's just be a little bit better than we are today, and nobody's going to uh, hound you for that. Well, lots of great plans, and now we are going to follow you and keep tabs on what you're up to. So, Don, what is the best way listeners can follow what you're up to at Exhibition Place? 
you know, on social media, on Instagram, we're on, on uh, 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 ex, uh, my ex place. And on our website, um, you know, there's a lot of good information on our website. But the social media, it's a, it's a, it's a big piece we've been investing into over, over the last uh, year. But I think our X Place account is a great uh, social media account to stay up to uh, in touch with where we're at. And, and if any listeners want to you know, get a hold of me or send me ideas, um, you know, it's very simple. Uh, dboyle at xplace.on.ca. So simply dboyle at xplace.on.ca. Um, my cell number, I put it out there. It's on actually our website. I put it on the bottom of my signature. And so it's trying to be accessible, trying to be real, right? Uh, in this day and age, it's just, you know, admit who you are. Uh, and we've all got our imperfections. And, but together we'll be better, right? Like, let's keep it simple. I love it. So many great plans. I can't wait to see where you're going with everything. I do love my exhibition place for all the various reasons we've talked about. So, Don, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for bringing us up to speed on what's happening. And, of course, I want to wish you continued success with all your plans. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity, Andrew. I love your podcast. I've gone back to listen to a few, and uh, I will definitely be promoting it. Uh, and we'll promote it on our um, RX place um, as, as well moving forward. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for your kind words. And to the listeners, on behalf of Don Boyle, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.